1: We are live on the RotoWire wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Fantrax. I'm Drew Silva. With me here is Ryan Boyer. It is the afternoon on Sunday, March 19th. We'll continue our category preview series on this episode with strikeouts. And as with Home Runs, the show we did last Saturday, we don't have to like dig or pretend with this stat, so to speak. The strikeout is usually the best. Result of a matchup for a pitcher, unless I know you can turn a double play or a triple play, uh, but it's a great measurement, simple measurement of true individual talent, individual stuff. The strikeout rate leaders at the end of any season are usually going to be the guys with the best arsenals, the best ways to attack hitters. That goes for starters and relievers. Um, our focus on this show will mainly be starting pitchers, but you do, of course, get strikeouts from your relievers beyond the primary target or mindset of just wanting saves and ratio help from those relievers. But yeah, most of the analysis for a reliever is whether that person is going to get save opportunities right or wrong. that's uh, just the way it works in fantasy love getting saves and a big strikeout rate from a reliever. If you can uh, do you have any initial sort of overarching thoughts on the strikeouts category before we, hit on some headlines, and then getting into these starting pitchers?
2: Uh, I mean, strikeouts as a whole were actually down um, last year. The first time in, I don't know, four or five years or something, I think. And after down pretty significantly from the last couple of years. I, I'm not really sure what exactly to read into that. I wonder if some of the more intelligent pitchers, shall we say, like realize that the ball was not flying as much and them saying, Hey, I can pitch to contact a little bit more this year. I, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's part of it, but I mean, yeah. I mean, strikeouts, as you mentioned, that's a one of the better ways to judge a pitcher. That's, that's why we create all these other stats that, um, uh, better predict how a pitcher like how their results should have gone versus how they actually have gone and strikeouts weigh a lot into that I mean that's in totally in the pitcher's control so I'm glad it's a fantasy stat and uh yeah let's talk some strikeouts
1: yeah and the changes into like the manufacturing of the baseball which baseball are they using for this game this year and I mean you you'd hear pitchers complain that the seams weren't high enough off the ball and you know that could affect breaking stuff there's also the sticky stuff thing which i'm real tired of that storyline but it seems apparently apparently they're
2: gonna crack crack down again this year
1: yeah fun Hmm. um but hey that's a thing and it it helps you get more spin on on your breaking pitches and that can usually lead to more swings and misses um let's let's hit on some headlines before we jump into that Uh, what's the latest like big baseball news from the weekend i guess the good and bad of the world baseball classic what an awesome event i think it's been so far but there was another unfortunate injury there with jose altuve
2: yeah um i I don't think uh mark DeRosa is going to be getting any uh christmas cards from dusty baker he uh seemed like d-row left uh Daniel Bard in a little too long when he clearly didn't know where the ball was going. Daniel Bard hits Jose Altuve with a pitch. We find out eventually that he has suffered a fractured thumb and it sounds like it's a, I guess, a displaced fracture. So he's going to need surgery to repair that, which elongates the rehab process even more. Um, I think they're expecting a minimum of Two months, we've seen eight to ten weeks. Um, really a bummer for people like myself who has drafted, I, I, and three real leagues so far that have already at least uh completed the drafts or in the middle of the draft. Where uh, you and I are in one that's ongoing that I think we're going to talk a little about a little bit later, but uh, and I have Altuve, I think, in two of those leagues, so and I believe. He used a third round pick on him for that. So I want every, basically, this is me saying I want everybody to feel sorry for me. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's a bummer. Um, Altuve is, he was fantastic last year. Like, the, brought the stolen bases back. I mean, it, his OPS was like in the mid 900s. I mean, he was a legitimately awesome hitter. He's really figured out how to, take advantage of those Crawford boxes. And I mean, like I said, the steals came back last year with the new rules in place. If he could keep that going, I think you have a good shot to be a great five category contributor, but now, you know, we're talking about best case scenario, probably June 1st. So it's a bummer.
1: Yeah. He'll have that surgery uh, in the coming days is what the Astros said after, after some swelling dissipates and, yeah, I think you could probably rule him out through all of April and May, most likely. Like, probably the best case scenario would be that he returns at like the very end of May. Um, and as you said, a tough situation for fantasy managers like yourself who've already drafted El Tuve. Second base is pretty shallow as is. I like him as a target there, or, or did like him as a target there, just to, to yeah. fill that hole on your roster and not have to worry about chasing second basemen down the board. Um, he's, he's probably the best option at the position unless you play in a league where Mookie Betts has eligibility there. Um, yeah. And now he's down for at least two months. David Hensley and Mauricio Dubon seem like the lead candidates to fill in at second base for the Astros. Hensley's like a pretty solid and very well-rounded hitter, gets on base uh, with some speed, not a ton of power yet in that profile. Dubon is yes. more of a defensive option if they go that route. I'm not like real high on either of them for fantasy. And if it's going to be sort of a mixing and matching situation or the Astros come up with another way to to handle that second base absence, you know, playing time would be an issue. Um, either of those guys really appeal to you. Maybe Hensley in like a real deep league.
2: Yeah, I I would be fine with Hensley in a only or, you know, deep league. He's like you mentioned, a pretty solid all-around skill set he he hits the ball a ton on the ground and doesn't have a whole lot of power so i don't know how much you're gonna get in that regard he's kind of a like he's listed at like 6'6 190 he's got like an o'neill cruz body type for a middle infielder but uh kind of a kind of strange but like you said the it draws a lot of walks he had a a walk rate like over 17% at AAA. I think he was over 14% in the majors last year. So maybe get on base a decent amount. And for that kind of abnormal middle infield build, build he he does run pretty well, uh, like 82nd percentile in sprint speed. So maybe a handful of steals, but, you know, he's probably going to bet ninth. Uh, Ale only is fine, but I wouldn't go anything beyond that.
0: Jeremy
1: Pena could jump to leadoff. Maybe that I mean, the Astros haven't really come out and said what they're going to do with that, but I think that would make a lot of sense. Maybe Kyle Tucker up there at at times. I've been driving the bus for Tucker to get a better lineup, uh, at least a higher lineup spot for a while now. But uh, Dusty Baker likes to put him lower in the order, which I get with the power that he has, but um. I don't know. I think this this is a boost to Pena, who it was fantastic as a rookie last year overall. Had some some kind of peaks and valleys, but a really good season for him. Yeah, and Brantley,
2: Brantley is going to be not going to be ready quite for opening day, too, and Baker has already said that he's going to bat second when he's healthy, so I guess they're going to have those top two spots open, at least initially. So, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on what the what the Astros do with the with their lineup there?
1: Here's a reader question: Is is Mookie Betts being listed at, as a second baseman that much more valuable with Altuve going down? Yeah, I mean it's it's valuable when you play if you play in that kind of league in general. Um, I mean he's you get, you're going to get one shot at, at getting him in a draft, so I don't I don't know how it changes the way you you target him necessarily.
2: And he's it sounds like he's going to in leagues where he's not eligible at second base. It sounds like he could gain gain that eventually. I think David Roberts said he's shooting for like twenty games. So that might take a little while, but you're you're gonna have, you know, most leagues usually five or ten games in season is when they gain that eligibility. So that'll be nice to have. Second base is like you mentioned, it's it's kind of a weird position. It's very uh like there's a handful of really good guys at the top and then some interesting guys late and then in between it's just kind of eh. So mm-hmm. uh maybe you can get lucky with one of those guys later on as your a replacement, but you're certainly not gonna replace this production either way.
1: Jerkson Profar signed with the Rockies uh, one year's at 7.75 million dollar contract that was announced on Sunday morning makes all the sense in the world. Um Hey, the you, Rockies. You will that.
2: You will that into existence, Drew.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just an easy one to call. You know, they had yeah. holes in the corner outfield and at second base with the injury to Brendan Rogers. Sean Bouchard goes down. Randall Grichik's not going to be ready for the start of the season either. There's lingering worry about Chris Bryant and Profar can help at those spots with a decent bat uh, that you know could get elevated as he takes half of his plate appearances at Coors Field. Had a 723 OPS and 658 plate appearances with the Padres last year. 15 homers, 5 steals, and 152 games. You bake in a little more power uh, with the move to Colorado. Maybe a few more swipes with the bigger bases. I wouldn't necessarily count on that with him. Um, still more of a deep league consideration, if at all. But his outlook has improved with you know Denver being the landing spot. Uh, does he get turns at, at leadoff, too? Like, you know, that, that could obviously help the fantasy output as well.
2: Yeah, it sounds like they will. Um, I can't remember. Danielle Allentuck, I think, one of the beat writers mm-hmm. for, with the Rockies, uh, tweeted it out. That the expectation is that he'll play left field and bat leadoff. It's interesting that, like, Profar, viewed by many, including yourself, is a good fit for the Rockies and potentially other teams because of the versatility, but it sounds like they might do what the Padres did last year and kind of just keep him in left field. Mostly. Yeah. Um, I know he had like the yips a few years ago. Remember that? So maybe, the, maybe he's not really viewed as a legitimate infielder anymore. Like I don't, he didn't play the infield at all for the Padres, I believe last year. Uh, right. I mean, so, he's at
1: least an emergency option, right? There. But we can't
2: necessarily count on him gaining eligibility there, I guess. Um, but yeah, you know, going to Denver, if he's going to bat lead off, it, you know, do we worry about him signing so late? I don't think so, really, because he he would he was playing for the Netherlands and the WBC, so it's not like he was sitting at home on his couch. Um, so I think he'll probably be fine in that regard. Um, kind of a boring option, but that get that boringness gets boosted up by Coors Field. Uh, I could definitely see 20 home runs and good number of. Uh, of runs scored maybe like you mentioned the steals will go up a little bit although his sprint speed has been actually really bad the last couple of years yeah um, yeah he's somehow only 30 years old still um his his debut is more than 10 years ago isn't that crazy to think about uh Man, but that yeah
1: makes me feel old when <laughs> what, was it him and oscar tavares were like the one yeah top prospects in baseball Man, mm-hmm. I mean that's sad yeah um, another st- interesting storyline is that Braden Shoemake is is making a late charge in camp for the the starting shortstop gig in Atlanta. That was confirmed by manager Brian Snitker on Saturday. That's interesting, like I said, and, and kind of surprising. Like The assumption was that it was going to be Vaughn Grissom's job, probably, taken over for Dansby Swanson after Swanson signed that big offseason deal with the Cubs. Grissom, you know, had some legit fantasy buzz and still does, I guess, with with at least long term with power and speed. I I don't really see that with Shoemake. I know he's a really good defensive player, and maybe Atlanta feels like the defense is more important at that spot because the offense is kind of deep. Um, shoemake had a 715 OPS last year at triple A Gwinnett, seven homers, nine stolen bases in 76 games. He had a 6.72 OPS at Double A in 2022. Um, I know that Grissom has some flaws, um, and maybe it comes down to just wanting him to get more development time in the minors. But yeah, this is not like a wonderful turn of events for for fantasy interests.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, like you mentioned, the Braves seemed to really telegraph that they were going to hand the job to to Grissom. They didn't really seem to make much of an effort at all to resign Dansby Swanson. Uh, Grissom worked with Ron Washington, kind of known for his his prowess in helping uh, guys uh, up their defense in the middle infield, and he he talked up Grissom like he, like, I forget what the quote was exactly, but he he basically said he he can do this. Um, it doesn't seem like it's anything that Grissom like hasn't done this spring. Like we we haven't read any reports, at least I haven't, about him like looking terrible in the field. I guess it's just Shoemake has been that much better defensively. Um, But like you mentioned, he's not terribly interesting from an offensive standpoint. He's a former first-round pick, but the numbers uh, in the minors, not good. Maybe he's just going to be a little kind of a late bloomer, but it does seem like the Braves, if they do go in this direction, that um, it just – picking defense over offense. I actually think yeah. that it could, you know, at least from a long-term play, I mean, maybe Grissom's price just gets knocked down so far now that he's actually becomes a nice little value play. I think he could very well, even if he doesn't start the season in the majors, he could still wind up getting the most starts at shortstop for them over the course of the season. So maybe he goes from a, you know, a mid-round play to a late-round dart throw and winds up paying off for the, over the long haul.
1: All right, We'll get into these uh, strikeout targets now, but first uh, the fantasy baseball season is underway and there's no better place to play than underdog fantasy. The easiest place to play fantasy baseball right now. Underdog has MLB best ball tournaments live, including the dinger, which has 500 grand in total prizes and best ball. All you're doing is join a contest, draft your team and that's it set it and forget it. There are no waivers, no trades, And no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players. Get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup, which you set as three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with the promo code RWMLB. And not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you'll also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your 100K Dinger team today. If you're looking for a place to customize your fantasy league and play a variety of formats, we cannot recommend Fantrax enough. Create the scoring systems that you want to play with. Tweak how waivers work, categories, scoring systems, scheduling. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all of that and more, and it's all free. Um, as you mentioned, Ryan, we're in this slow draft on, on fan tracks right now. We're into what round 12, or it just went into round 13. We could talk about some of those picks that we've made so far. Uh, I do love being able to just check in on the fan tracks app for a slow draft, or you could just, d- you know, do a standard draft in there. great interface interface with the way the the draft is presented, the queue, the ability to customize everything that your league would want to customize. A big fan of running all of my drafts on Fantrax. Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com Rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
1: that draft so far it's early enough that everyone kind of likes their team right it's not that interesting of analysis
2: yeah um so it's a a six by six league that we're doing and it's the standard five by five categories with obp and quality starts added so you get credit for average and on base percentage as well as wins and quality starts um i mean i feel like it looks by the draft board, looking at your team as well, um, I mean, you're adding an additional pitching category that relievers have no chance of contributing in. So I feel like it mm-hmm. just pushes their value down. And you and I both waited on closer. I think you took yours in the first one in the for, the 11th round. I actually wish I would have pulled the trigger on Batista, uh, but you got him first. Seems like his, his stock has fallen so much because of the shoulder and knee thing but he seems like he's going to be fine now so I think that could wind up being a really nice value I took my first closer in round 13, David Bendar um, so yeah, you can definitely wait in, on saves in that league but yeah the the fan tracks the fan tra- tracks uh, site. man, love the interface it's the best looking one, 10 out of 10, no notes
1: I agree yeah. and I'm, I'm a little bit like i don't know ocd when it comes to like design yeah like i think box scores like remember when yahoo used to have those great simple box scores and now it's impossible to find a basic box score which for us as guys who write about like game recaps and i I don't want to like wade through a bunch of different stuff to just find what the guy did did.
2: mlb.com is kind of overhauled theirs too and it's not it doesn't look good i don't know why they do that i
1: don't know yeah I don't I don't really have any takeaways from that draft. Like you mentioned the reliever thing, you could probably justify punting saves even or like just trying to figure it out on the fly. Yeah. Um but I didn't I didn't want to I don't know, I I thought like that round 11 to 12 turn was the right time to just grab two uh and focus on on the rest of of what I need in in the in the rounds to come. Like I probably won't take another reliever. I I might pick some up along the way. As we move into the year, uh, and I, I I like my team so far, but again, we're we're pretty early on here, and the the draft board is going to start thinning out a little bit, and we'll we'll have to get creative. All right, let's get yeah. into it. Sleepers, bust. Yeah, go ahead. Are we going to say
2: something? No, you go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, let's let's we've we've kept the people waiting long enough. Uh, let's get into it. Sleepers, bust. Deep league options for strikeouts. The leaders in that category from last year, I'll, I'll run through the top 20 real quickly. Obviously, some big names. Garrett Cole had 257 to lead the way. Corbin Burns at 243. Carlos Rodon, Aaron Nola, Dylan Cease, Shohei Otani, Robbie Ray, Sandy Alcantara, Kevin Gausman, Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider. Those were all the guys, 11 of them, uh, that were above 200 for strikeouts on the year last year. And then you get into Shane Bieber, Yu Darvish, Christian Javier, Shane McClanahan, Framber Valdez, Zach Gallen, Tristan McKenzie, Brandon Woodruff, Justin Verlander, Joe Musgrove to kind of round out the top 20 there. Uh, looking at the betting odds leaders to pace the league in K's this year, you've got Garrett Cole as the favorite. Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole is at plus 550. Corbin Burns at plus 850. Dylan Cease plus a thousand Strider is at plus a thousand Jacob Degrom 1200. That's kind of interesting. If he's healthy, you know, he, he could do it. Max Scherzer plus 1300 Rodon Nola, Robbie Ray, Shohei Otani Bieber. Hunter green is an interesting name up there that does not appear on the, the leaderboard from last year. Um, just didn't have the, the workload to get there, but the stuff is impeccable. And then Alcantara, McClanahan, Woodruff, Furlander, um, you're looking at this list, right? Do you see anyone like in the plus 4,000, plus 5,000 range that is intriguing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll go a little bit less than that. Um, with plus 3,000, Brandon Woodruff. I, I mean, I know he hasn't uh, had the workload necessary to get up there, but if he throws 200 innings, he could very easily lead the league in strikeouts. Uh, so I kind of like that. Those odds, um, I kind of like Max Scherzer at 1,300. I mean, I think it's all about health. If he makes 30-plus starts, he could barely easily get up there. As far as the deeper league plays, um, you know, Zach Wheeler at plus 5,500. Strikeout rate dipped a little bit, but, I mean, the stuff seems all the way back, and I think the workload is is still going to be big with him. Uh, That's kind of an intriguing play. Uh, Lucas Giolito, as bad as he was last year, I mean, he still gets a ton of strikeouts. Uh, But if I'm being honest, you know, I would be very surprised if the winner does not come from those first handful of guys, which I guess that's why they're given those odds. Makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, Julio Urias, I feel like has the stuff to do it, but he's a guy that kind of likes to generate ground balls. Yeah. Um, and you know the Dodgers don't really push their pitchers. You, you got to think about workload too. I, well, I guess Strider, you know, made a charge to lead the league in strikeouts last year and didn't necessarily have a huge workload. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that- he had he had like
2: almost 100 fewer. Innings than Sandy Alcantara and had like five fewer strikeouts. I mean, it's not like, yeah, that's we're literally like the Cy Young winner he had, which says more about, I think, Strider than Alcantara, but yeah, just a crazy amount of strikeout upside there if he gets the innings.
1: Luis Castillo at plus 4,000. Uh, we talked about him as like a, or maybe Chris and I did as like a, a nice AL Cy Young long shot play, not really a long shot, but I don't know. At plus 4,000, he's got the stuff and the situation there in Seattle to do it. Max Freed, plus 6,000. That's about it. There's some other guys on on this list, but we're going to be talking about them as we move into these sleepers. All right, you're on the clock, Ryan. Give me your first sleeper in the strikeouts category.
2: So uh, I'm pretty sure I talked about this guy already on our wins Uh, category podcast a couple weeks ago so I'm obviously all aboard the Reed Detmers hype train I mean something that did happen in between that podcast and this podcast uh, Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register had an article uh, talking about Reed Detmers and I think it was a start against the Dodgers he was averaging 95 to 97 miles per hour with his fastball 89 to 91 with his slider he did have a velocity bump um, last year around midseason when he had that brief demotion to the minors, but th- those radar radar gun readings were even higher than that. Um, over the winter, he didn't say that he necessarily went at, set out to up his velocity, but he did some training at Driveline, one other training kind of guru guy, and the velocity just automatically went up with him. Um. ERA, 0.77 WHIP, and a 17 to 4 strikeout to walk rate over 13 innings this spring. Uh, Those that 13 start stretch after he came back from the minors last year, he had 78 strikeouts in 71 innings. He's going to be starting on um, five days rest regularly this year, which that's still one extra day of rest than most pitchers get usually. But I mean, the Angels are going to have technically still a six-man rotation this year but it seems like it's going to be more of like a that six man's not going to get regular starts like scheduled starts there it's all going to depend on the schedule like if they have an off day they're just going to skip that sixth spot and all the other regular five starters are going to be starting on five days rest so i mean he could get up to 30 starts potentially this season i mean that's going to boost him to what Thirty, maybe forty more strikeouts. If we're being optimistic, I mean that's. Yeah. I really like Reed Detmers as a just a big breakout play this year.
1: Yeah, he has looked very impressive this spring, and you know, I don't love looking at spring training numbers, but you know the data points of the the fastball velocity spike and even this this that power slider spiking, um, it, it just makes you feel really good about him being a, a kind of a mid to rate lounge Mid to late round sleeper. And I, th- I think his ADP will move up a bit because that's what happens this time yeah. of year as we're kind of nearing the final stretch of when you could possibly fit in a fantasy baseball draft. He's there's some group think that, that gets involved there. But um, I I think he's he's always had some intriguing talent. And maybe this is the year where he puts it all together. Uh, Michael Kopech, for me, is, is my first sleeper. 2022 was supposed to be the big breakout year for Kopech as he moved into a regular starting role with with the White Sox after mostly working in relief and being injured uh, in the years before then. And He did perform well overall. A 3.54 ERA, 1.19 whip, 105 strikeouts in 25 starts, covering 119 in a third inning's. Uh, but you look at the K per nine from 2021, it, it was 13.4, again, primarily in a relief role. And we were hoping that he could carry over that swing and miss with him into a larger starter's workload. Uh, didn't really happen. The caper nine goes from 13.4 to 7.9 last year. The velocity was sort of all over the place from month to month, sometimes even start to start. And the command was rough at times as well. But there was a lingering knee injury. You could see how that might affect his drive off the mound, just sort of diminishing the entire arsenal in that way. Kopech got knee surgery right after the 2020 season. He's healthy now in White Sox camp and and looking really sharp too. Um, As of this recording, zero earned runs allowed through two Cactus League starts. He's focusing on throwing more changeups to pair with that fastball that can sit high 90s when everything is going right. The slider has always flashed great potential. The control needs to be better so that his swinging strike rate can rebound. That was a problem last year, but you build better health into the projection. And I think you could see it all happen uh, from an ERA and strikeouts standpoint. And he can hopefully be in line for a lot of wins too on a White Sox team that disappointed greatly last year, uh, but certainly has a lot of talent all over the roster Another jump in workload for Kopech. Hopefully, longer outings. That was also a problem last year. But there's a path here toward him being. I don't know. Like the ceiling would be like a top 35 starter, or let's say top 50 more conservatively. And right now on our ADP page at RotoWire, the consensus says he's going outside the top 70 among starting pitching options, like right around Adam Wainwright, who seems to have you know have trouble even hitting. 88 miles per hour at the moment. Um I'll take the upside of Kopec over a lot of options that are down in that range of a draft. I, a very attractive late round addition for me.
2: Yeah, I I'm not really sure what to think of Kopek. Like I in TGFBI I wound up taking him and to be honest I didn't feel super great about it, but it was at the point of a draft that I mean that's a 15 team 30 round league. Um, so it gets pretty deep and like he was one of the guys that still had upside at that point. He like you said, there's a path to him being a borderline elite starter. He's got to improve that efficiency. Uh, he had six plus innings in just five of his final seventeen starts last season. Uh, sixty six strikeouts and seventy seven and a third innings over that stretch. The control, as you mentioned, a question mark, uh, health, a question mark, but kind of slow played, it, played him this spring, but he's looked good since coming back. And it wasn't that long ago that, I mean, he was viewed as arguably the best pitching prospect in baseball. I guess it has been a little, a little while now, but it his arm, been, but I, yeah. I mean, his arm is still relatively young. Like he doesn't have that many miles in his arm. So hopefully Hopefully he's got his legs under him, and like you said, there's I don't know what the likelihood is, but there is a path to him being like a top 40-ish starter. One other guy who has been a top 40-ish starter in the past, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, I'm kind of throwing 2022 out for him. Um, He was dealing with um, some off-the-field stuff. It was kind of a bizarre situation that we never really – heard the full story about there was some speculation that we don't really need to get into, but he was away on uh, an injury rehab assignment. And then he took some personal time off and he just never really got going last year. Um, The strikeouts weren't there at all, but I mean, this is a guy who in 2019 had 213 strikeouts, uh, 544 strikeouts over 490 and two thirds innings from 2018 to 2021 that's a 10 strikeout rate per nine rate Uh, between spring training and the world baseball classic he has a 13 to one strikeout to walk rate over 10 to third innings so far this spring so you know water rodriguez is a guy who's I feel like we've always kind of been waiting for him to take that next step to be like an ace ace um, but even when he hasn't quite been able to do that, he's still gotten strikeouts at a really nice rate and he's basically free in drafts now. So I think he's kind of a sneaky guy for, uh, for as a strikeout target late in your draft.
1: I mean, there was a lot to like about him this time last year. Uh, and uh, yeah, with the draft day costs being essentially free, you know, why not? build in things to like about him again it, it, it's it's a good situation it was a it was a weird story last year he kind of just i mean like the tigers hadn't talked to him in and in heard from him in a while again we don't yeah. really have to get into all that but he's he's the same pitcher right i mean he, he should be good or at least solid you know for for what the draft day cost is i like this reader comment took detmer 16th round this morning as my starting pitcher six nice I mean, i think that's a that's a good way to build a fantasy rotation with For that sure. guy. Um, and we were talking about Detmers, a, another intriguing Angel starter, is Patrick Sandoval, ADP in the two twenty to two thirty range at, at most places. It's kind of amazing that Sandoval managed to to post a two point nine one ERA last year when his WHIP was one point three four. Um, you don't really see that often. You can like, see it for relievers where there's a contrast, but you know over the course of a season, those usually kind of level out. Um, 60 walks, 139 hits allowed, and in 148.2 innings. I would expect a good amount of ERA regression if he doesn't take a big step forward with the command, but I also would expect a spike in strikeouts because the stuff is really good. There was that start in 2021 where Sandoval generated 32 whiffs um, mm. in a single start, and only a few pitchers have ever done that in a major league game. Garrett Cole had a 32 whiff game that year, too, I believe, or maybe it was the end of the year prior, uh, but it doesn't happen often. And Sandoval upped his slider usage to great effect. That's a really nice swing and miss generating delivery for him. The sinker and changeup are really good, too. He's got an impressive ray of pitches that move. Uh, the sinker and changeup are you know, like you look at the curveball spin too, a 87th percentile among all pitchers last year in curve spin. Uh, the fastball is not elite, but it can touch the mid 90s and set up his other offerings. Just over a strikeout per inning last year, it was 151 Ks in 148.2 innings. I see that improving, um, and he's built up now to to make the jump to becoming like a 180, 190 inning guy for the Angels in 2023. Um, If he, if he gets that kind of rotation and you know, they, they, they wind up spreading their starters out. We'll see what happens with that, but I don't know. Don't draft the ERA thinking it's definitely going to stay in the twos with Sandoval, but the overall package here is promising, especially if he can rein in the control a little bit.
2: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you on, on Sandoval. Like you mentioned, the, the walks have to get down. He's had efficiency issues, but like the, The changeup in particular is, I mean, it's legitimately like one of the best pitches in baseball. Um, 2022, it had a 44.2% whiff rate. That was actually down from 51.4% in 2021 among, yeah, just a crazy number Uh, among pitchers with at least 200 innings since 2021. He ranks 13th out of 114 pitchers in swinging strike rate. So I mean, that's really if you look at the swinging strike rate leaderboard, that's a really good indicator of. I mean, it's just littered with all the elite pitchers in the game. Like you can't, you can't have a, a good swinging strike rate swing strike rate and not be a good pitcher. Like you can't, you just can't fluke into that. So I mean, he's been among the elites, the elite in the game at, at that in that regard. And like I mentioned before with Detmers, he's going to be starting more regularly on 5 days rest maybe he can get up to 30 starts as well and i think he could definitely get to 200 strikeouts if he does that.
1: Who's next on your sleepers list?
2: I think you got Hunter Brown, don't you? You want to
1: I do it? have Hunter Brown. <laughs>
2: yeah. Tell, tell us about Hunter Brown. Okay.
1: He seems to be assured now of the, of that final spot in the Astros r- rotation with Lance McCullers battling another injury, a forearm strain uh, is the diagnosis. He'll be out a while. Brown looked great in his first, you know, MLB cup of coffee last year, a 0.89 ERA, 22 strikeouts in 20.1 innings. Then he was carried in the postseason bullpen for Houston and worked 3.2 scoreless frames, high nineties heat, nasty breaking stuff. Um, another exciting young player for the defending World Series champions there. He was a fifth-round pick in the 2019 draft out of Wayne State University, posted really good strikeout rates in the lower minors, and then broke through into the top prospect mix last summer at AAA with a 2.55 ERA, 1.09 whip, and 134 strikeouts in 106 innings before then making his way up to Houston in September. The improvement in his command last year was the biggest thing. And it's, you know, it's what you're encouraged about moving forward. Um, and his ADP is a little out of whack because you know, it looked like he might be a target for a relief roll out of the gate in 2023 yeah. or to possibly just head back to AAA for a bit. Uh, but here we are now in late March with Brown looking secure and a starting job for obviously one of the better teams in baseball, even without. Jose Altuve, the, the current ADP shows him outside the top 200, uh, but he will or you know should go inside the top 200 in most drafts that are going to be taking place over the next week plus steering into opening day. I, I think he's a big talent, and he's, he's starting to really find it, and he could be pretty special, like the Astros need more great players.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, you look at the – just watching him live, the stuff – Definitely really pops. So I am going to be interested to see how much of that control improvement, at least he showed in the at the major league level, is, is going to stick because he's been wild this spring. 4.4 uh, walks per nine in the minors. Just six-plus innings and four starts in the minors in 2022. He did spend a little bit of time in relief, so he didn't make a, a ton of starts. But, I mean – He's kind of a. He modeled his delivery off of Justin Verlander. If you look at the side by side, I think Pitching Ninja has done done that split screen before. They have a eerily uh, It's kind of like the Charlie Morton Roy holiday thing from a few years ago. They kind of mm-hmm. kind of patterned his delivery out of off of his his pitching hero and got to share a rotation spot with him a little bit last year. It's pretty cool, but unfortunately, I'm not sure that the Control is Verlander esque. Maybe it'll get there, uh, but yeah, from a strikeouts perspective, I could definitely see the upside for uh, for Hunter Brown. Hopefully, that that command and control will take a step forward. Um,
1: yeah, I wouldn't ex- expect Verlander esque type stuff, but yeah, like even long term. But I, I think he's going to be pretty good.
2: Sure. And we'll get into some deep league, uh, deep league targets. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. One of my, you know, JD, JT Brewbaker. um, I feel like he's been kind of always a tweak or two away from a breakout and just hasn't quite gotten there. Um, consistencies like he'll go through these stretches where he just does really, really well piles up the strikeouts with a good ERA, but then he'll hit a rut for a while and the numbers by the end of the year just don't look great. Uh, He's had home run problems. So that's a big part of that. But, you know, he does have more than a strikeout per inning during his career. Uh, this spring in 12 and a third innings, he's got a 20 to three strikeout to walk rate. Um, you know, I, I think he's not like a super sexy high ceiling pick. Obviously, from a wins perspective on the Pirates, there's, there's not much upside there. But... Um, I do think from a strikeouts perspective, he he could have enough of a workload, and uh, if he can get up to close to 10 K per nine, that's kind of a sneaky 100 to 200 strikeouts kind of guy you could get late in your draft. I think there's a little bit of an appeal there with JT Brewbaker.
1: I like this comment. Interesting to hear you mention these three's. Detmers, Brown, Sandoval. I like it. He, he broke into our shared Google Doc and, and found our notes <laughs> for this show. Uh, I'm going to throw Jared Schuster out there as a deep league option. And you know, we'll see how that final spot in Atlanta's rotation gets sorted out. But Ian Anderson was already optioned to AAA. And Schuster is battling for it with Dylan Dodd, two good young left handed options there for an organization that keeps pumping them out on the offensive side and the pitching side. You'll want to keep an eye on, on Dodd, too, in case he does win this thing. But most of the b writers that, that cover this team seem to think that Schuster right now is the front-runner. Um, he's making a heck of a case in Grapefruit League play. A 0.71 ERA, 16 strikeouts, only two walks through twelve and 12.2 innings of exhibition action so far. He has 235 strikeouts and 212 and a third career innings in the minor leagues posted a 3.29 ERA, 1.05 whip, and 145 Ks in 139 innings last year between A AA and AAA, mostly doing that at age 23. Kyle Wright is working through a, a shoulder issue in Camp too. We should make note of that. So maybe Schuster and Dodd both get starts early on, and the, the competition for that number 5 spot sort of leaks into the regular season. There are other options as well, like – I don't know if he and Anderson can get back to his 2020 2021 form. Michael Soroka is gonna, I, I think, return eventually. So you build that risk into everything that the, that the spot might not be super secure, and you know Schuster Dodd might be someone you have to drop at some point if if they get sent back down or one of them gets shifted into relief or just doesn't make the opening day roster in, in Atlanta in Dodd or Schuster's case. The ADP has obviously risen sharply um, since. Ian Anderson got demoted and, and Brian Snicker came out and kind of hinted that it's going to be either Schuster or Dodd out of the gate. Um, still going in the later rounds though, or, or not at all in shallower formats. Um, I think it's a good upside gamble on Schuster or Dodd if, if either of those guys are, are sitting on the draft board, you know, toward the end t- t- in the closing rounds of, of your league.
2: Yeah. Former, uh, former first round pick Schuster is, uh, I, I think he's, generally scouts see him as more of like a high floor guy than a than a ceiling guy but i mean that doesn't mean that his strikeouts can't be at a a pretty high rate i think you know he did struggle a little bit at uh at triple a after being promoted last year his striker right? it was just 7.2 per nine but i think i don't know if you've seen like him pitch it all this spring or seen any clips or anything but he's got like this kind of unique uh delivery really hides the ball well behind his like it basically comes out of his back. Uh, I feel like that could be difficult to pick up, especially initially. I could see him getting off to a really good start. Like the first time he lineup, see him, you know, maybe they make an adjustment eventually, but you know, Schuster definitely for his lay of an ADP, as you've mentioned, is definitely an intriguing guy. Another guy that is going very late in drafts. Um, coming over from Japan this year, Shintaro, Fujinama. I mean, just from an Arsenal perspective, like he's absolutely filthy. Um, you know, Saras, you know, he has this this stuff plus metric that mm-hmm. kind of he came up with, which is on Fangraphs now, by the way. So it's, it's a pretty cool thing to look at. By, you know, not all of these parks have um, – the software or whatever up the track man or whatever up in the, in their ballparks to be able to track all of this stuff. But for the ones that do reg, registered by stuff, plus he ranks eighth this so far this spring, Uh 99 mile per hour fastball, the splitter. If you've seen any of the, the pitching ninja gifs, gifs, you say gifs or gifs? I know that's a real, that's a thing that's uh, can start fights on. I, I the. Like,
1: um, <laughs> yeah. I was a proponent of GIFs for a long time, but I, yeah, I, I found myself saying GIFs now. Maybe it's just easier yeah. on the.
2: I feel like the person f- who originated it came out and said GIFs, which is most the opposite of what most people were were saying. Anyway, because
1: the the I digress. The G in it stands for graphic. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, let's move on.
2: <laughs> anyway, back to Fujinama. So th- as far as stuff goes, like I mean, it it definitely plays, but the reason why he had to settle for like a pretty modest one-year deal with the athletics, the command and the control, both are really bad. Um, He's been kind of hit or miss this spring. He's piled up a bunch of strikeouts. So that's part of the reason why I list him in this deep sleeper section here. But I mean, he didn't really dominate in Japan. You know, the strikeout rate was good, not great. Something to keep in mind there though, is like their emphasis on, you know making contact in Japan is way higher than it is here so you often see pitchers with good not great strikeout rates in Japan they can kind of up that a little more in the states if everything works out but I think it's all going to be about him being able to throw enough strikes and pitch pitch deep deep enough into games to be able to take advantage of that good stuff but I mean again he's basically free from an ADP perspective so I think he's a a fine late-round dart throw.
1: You talked about JT Brubaker. Uh, Ronzi Contreras is intriguing as well. Just had a really strong turn with the Dominican Republic and the World Baseball Classic. I think it was on Tuesday against Israel. He had four Ks over 2.2 innings, no walks, just one single allowed through 28 of his 41 pitches for strikes. Not that Israel has a daunting or had a daunting lineup to navigate, but good to see Contreras thrive in that kind of high pressure, high emotion environment at age 23. Now he's back in, in pirates camp and likely to open as the number two or number three starter for Pittsburgh, a uh, 3.67 ERA 90 strikeouts through his first 98 major league innings. He debuted in late 2021, made one start that year. Uh, his four seam fastball was hit hard at times in 2022, but It should be a better pitch for him moving forward. It touches the high 90s with movement. like It kind of passes the eye test. Um, The slider has a lot of movement. The curveball is a good out-generating pitch, too. He's reworked his changeup as well um, and had success throwing that pitch in the World Baseball Classic. I, I like the arsenal. I like the poise. It can feel uninspiring to click the name of a Pirates pitcher in a fantasy draft. You're, you're probably not going to get many wins, as you said, with Brubaker, but the workload is building and Contreras has the talent to, to make a sizable leap in 2023 ADP in the mid to high 300. So basically free in a standard draft. And you can consider him a streamer if you like, um, kind of play by ear with him. Uh, Matt Brash is another guy, and this is going to, all come down to roll and right now i don't think brash could be projected to crack the rotation in seattle Luis castillo logan gilbert robbie ray george kirby and then uh sort of the same marco gonzalez chris Flexen battle for that number five spot maybe but bryce miller easton mcgee emerson hancock taylor dollard are are other options to emerge in that mariners organization as well so it's going to take a real push from Brash to actually get starts. He has been stretched out throwing longer relief outings this spring. And I don't know, maybe the most likely outcome is that he does just work in, in mid to long relief, uh, which is obviously not going to do much for a fantasy manager, but the raw stuff is, is crazy and you know very heavy on inducing swing and misses 62 strikeouts over his first 50 major league innings last year. He had a really good debut in a starting role last April, on the road against the White Sox, six strikeouts over five and two thirds innings, only one walk. Uh, a few more rotation turns came after that before Brash got moved to the bullpen, lar- largely because the command was getting ugly and exposing him, you know, to some crooked number type of innings. But you look at the minor league numbers. Like I feel like I've just made a case to, to not draft him. But you look at the minor really? league numbers: a two-five-two ERA, 191 strikeouts in 128. And two third frames on the farm. That's for his career in the minor leagues. 191 strikeouts and 128 innings. I don't, I don't know. Maybe the Mariners like trade brash because they do have a nice store of of pitching depth, and I'd be a little worried, and maybe they'd be a little worried about his development getting stunted in in the bullpen. But they do probably also consider him a, a possible future star in high leverage if he can rein in some of that command and you know keep the effectiveness of his breaking stuff. Um, it's just worth keeping an eye on because there's so much upside in the arsenal, truly some of the best breaking pitches in the sport. Uh, but you do have to squint a bit to see how he offers steady fantasy production going into his age 25 season. 24 right now, turns 25 in May.
2: Yeah, this time last year, I feel like Brash might have been the guy we saw more than anybody else on the pitching ninja account, like that yeah. slider is just a devastating pitch when it's on. He is able to spot the fastball high in the zone at like 99 miles per hour when things are going right. But, you know, like you mentioned, the, the current control and command has just been really bad. That's why the, the Mariners were so quick to shift him to into a relief role. But, you know, As you mentioned, you know, the back end of that rotation is not exactly settled. Um, Maybe – I'm not counting on him him getting more starts, but maybe he could be like a multi-inning reliever. Uh, And and as long as he pitches, he's going to get strikeouts. I have no doubt about that. Um, And especially for like a maybe in a league where you are using those SP and RP spots, he could have eligibility for both of those. So maybe that's handy to have. still could be some untapped upside with matt brash and plus you know the mariners scott service has not been one to anoint closers so you know maybe he works his way into saves it's possibility um what about fades for you drew what are you uh who are you kind of shying away from from a strikeouts perspective
1: well i mean like the The names that come to mind are like, I don't know, like Freddie Peralta, Jacob deGrom. That's that's the risk averse stuff, like the injury risk guys. Yeah. Um, You kind of know what you're getting into there when you click those names. If health is not an issue, you're sitting pretty. Um, I wonder about Max Scherzer, too. We talked about him as you know he maybe could lead the league in strikeouts. But there have been a number of like physical setbacks that have built up in recent years with him. He turns 39 years old this July. Is this maybe finally the season where his his body is barking at him too much as he, he's barking at other people? Um But again, you know what you're getting into when you make these pitchers an early round pick, and you know every pitcher carries some level of health uncertainty. Uh, so it's it's not the most high level analysis there, but you know just just guys that you're you're a little bit cautious when you're when you're clicking their names in any in any draft.
2: Yeah, I mean if you're talking about, uh, I, I think the if you're talking about fades for a strikeout perspective, like, I mean, you have to pick the guys in this range. Otherwise it's not really, it doesn't really make sense. So it's going to be the guys that you have health concerns about. Another guy I have potential health concerns about is Shane McClanahan. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's looked great so far this spring. It's been a, a good indicator that his, that shoulder is feeling good right now, but He did have shoulder issues down the stretch last year, struggled down the stretch. Um, Strikeout rate by month last year for Shane McClanahan, 14.0 per nine. That's nice. 11.2 per nine, 11.5, 10.3, 8.5, 5.7. So we saw as those innings piled up and that shoulder started to kind of bark that strikeouts went down the overall numbers went down you know uh, he looks like i mentioned he looks healthy this spring um so uh, that's his ADP has been fine uh you know but still having the back of my mind that that shoulder could be could be an issue at some point down the line so you know if you're talking about a guy that's going this high in drafts who could potentially be a disappointment if you're expecting 200 plus strikeouts. I'm going to go with a guy that's might not might not be able to make all, all of the starts and that's Shane McClanahan. So any more for you Drew? With,
1: yeah, I, mean, I I'll go with Chris Tristan McKenzie is more of like a traditional bust potential. Arm, or you know, one that's at least worth analyzing since I wasn't breaking any ground saying you got to be careful about DeGrom and Peralta and aging aces. Uh, McKenzie's going top 100 overall, even top 90 in some leagues. After he put up a 2.96 ERA, 0.95 whip, and 190 strikeouts over 191 in the third innings last year for the Guardians. Uh, fully arrived with that stat line. It was a great season, and it's going to look good in, in any fantasy draft user interface when you, when you pull up that name and, and see those numbers and maybe what he's projected to do this year. But there was a lot of luck involved in that stat line. If if you want to poke those holes, like Babbitt left on base percentage hit luck. His hard contact rate was was high, even though he didn't get dinged for it all that often. I like Tristan McKenzie. I, I think he could be really solid, uh, but the stuff isn't necessarily elite. Like he, he outperformed a lot of what the metrics were saying about his pitch mix last year. Um, I, I'd I'd be cautious about drafting the numbers from last year and, and looking at his age and thinking you're going to get more of the same or even better. Like that he has another step that he could hit. Uh, Zach Gallen and Robbie Ray are are going in McKenzie's range right now. Current ADP readings. I think we'd both prefer or array to McKenzie. I don't, I don't want to speak for you. Logan Webb just behind him on ADB, the ADP charts as well. I, I think I'd prefer web. Uh, they're just, there's some top 25, top 30 starters that I like better and that I trust them to deliver strikeouts for me and probably ERA for me as well. More than I, than I like McKenzie.
2: Yeah. It's, it's interesting with him. Like he struck out way more guys in 2021 but he also walked way more guys. Um, The slider velocity was actually up last year, but the whiff rate went from 44.2% in 2021 all the way down to 27.2% in 2022. Batters went from hitting 132 versus that slider to hitting 268. So maybe he just made the sacrifice uh, as far as, getting batters to chase in an effort to throw more strikes and he's putting it in the zone more uh, and he's more willing to, which, I mean, it worked. He was a more effective pitcher overall, but that might yeah. mean fewer strikeouts. So, you know, just keep that in mind when you're, when you're thinking about drafting Tristan McKenzie, another guy for me, um, I feel like I'm kind of picking on George Kirby because I listed him as a, as a fade and uh, Chris and I is uh, whip podcast which I actually think he's going to be fine to whip because that control is just so immaculate but I just kind of feel like George Kirby is like a kind of a collection of good but not great stuff who just gets great results because he has such elite command and control and I think he's going to be a perfectly fine starter and effective pitcher but I just don't know if the strikeout right upside is there uh, none of his secondary pitchers had a pitches, had a whiff rate of a 14%. I mean, that's just, especially for secondary pitches, that's just really not good. Um, so I, and I, I don't know, I could see him being like a 350 ERA 105 whip, which is great, but I could also see him like only striking out, you know, eight per nine, something like that, which is going to be fine. Uh, like I said, I think he could. He's going to be a perfectly effective pitcher, but I think the strikeouts could be have the potential to be a disappointment with him.
1: All right, I think we I think we did it. That'll be it for us. Thanks for tuning in to the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Fantrax. Hopefully, we shed some light on ways to attack the strikeouts category. Some some sleepers among starting pitchers. Uh, If not, yell at us on Twitter. I'm at Drew Silve. Ryan is at Ryan P. Boyer. Stay tuned for more episodes. We got one every day of the week now. And peace out.